Welcome to the Aussie Racing Edition of the Breakdown Podcast. Breaking down the issues in cycling with journalist Jamie Finch-Penninger, specialised writer Kate Perry, and Avanti Isoways Neil Vanderplug. Hello and welcome to the Breakdown Podcast. Uh, we are sans Kate Perry today, unfortunately, after some technical issues, but joining me today, locally and in person, is Neil Vanderplug. Thanks for having me, Jamie. Uh, it's good to be present. And your presence is a present to me. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> so we're going to have a look at the Bay Crits quickly, and then we're going to move on to the Nationals. Uh, so we'll start off with the Bay Crits, uh, men's first stage, it was that tight hot dog circuit around Geelong uh, Bay there and we had Caleb Ewan emerging the dominant winner in the sprint with as he went around the corner in first and then just blew the rest of the pack away. Brenton Jones uh, made up some ground to come second and Pat Shaw was third in a very tight throw to the line there. Neil, how did you see that one? Well, I unfortunately wasn't there. I saw that one just through tweets and uh, other forms of social media. But yeah, Caleb, is he seems to be very good at that circuit. I remember last year he blew Greg Henderson away, who's uh, you know very fast and lead out of uh, Andre Greipel. And I remember Henderson made a note on the... Co- um, Sorry, on the podium, he uh, he commented that he was doing some pretty good numbers and Ewan just blew him away. So, look, from uh, judging photos and what I saw, Caleb just, he did what he did last year and he's just, he's very good, I think, at that uh, slow speed punch out of a corner. He's a weapon. So, yep, Caleb, he's blown him away and... Uh, yeah, BJ is is pretty solid in those sort of things too. He's won it before, so that's um, yeah, no surprise to see him up there. And then Pat Shaw, teammate of mine, he's not so much not so much a sprinter really, but he's uh, you know he, he's sort of shown there that uh, positioning is extremely important. And uh, yeah, he's pretty quick, but it's a race of position that one, the hot dog. Yeah, and it certainly was on this occasion because there was a crash which caught about two-thirds of the peloton out at the right at the start, which eliminated a lot of riders, and I know a couple of them in particular were not happy. So, yes. In the second stage, it was Caleb Ewan winning again, again from Brenton Jones, with Lee Howard coming in third. It was uh, around the Botanic Gardens circuit, and it's it's not the hardest circuit, but the wind was coming in, and that made it a bit tougher for the riders. Neil, would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. It can be uh, very windy on the foreshore there. Uh, there's a nasty little pinch just before the finishing straight. So it's uh, yeah, quite a different course to the first stage, but not not too bad. A pretty pretty. I'd say it was a pretty tough circuit, Jamie. Not uh, you know. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't want to didn't didn't want to diminish your efforts or anything, but. No, but no, that was a a pretty good race. It's um, very aggressive. There were quite a few moves that went out. Pat Shaw from uh, my team of Anti-Isoway Sports, he was uh, looking dangerous for a while there. Uh, he was third after the first day, and he was um, if he had have stayed away in that break, he may have assumed the lead, but it wasn't to be. The Green Edge team pulled it back with some strong riding from Jack Haig again. And, uh, yeah, it was all back for a bunch sprint. And, again, Caleb, he's very good at uh, sprinting in general, and he's also done well at this particular course. So... Yeah, look, there's a bit of a pattern emerging, isn't there? He's just bloody good. Yeah, uh, spoiler alert, um, Caleb Ewan won the race overall, in case you hadn't heard. 
But we got to the got to the third stage, which was a really enjoyable stage from a spectator's point of view. From the riders' point of view, I'm imagining that they absolutely hated it because it was a very tough day out there on the course with hot conditions and the wind was just horrendous. It was gusting and blowing, you know, blowing seats over, blowing blowing people over almost, and it just uh, split up the race uh, up into the back straight, uh, into the last lap rather, and. It was fight for a position to go into that last corner there, and Pat Shaw went around first and put down the power from there. Yeah, it's uh, it's a great circuit at Port Arlington. Uh, I know the riders, it's it's hated by some, but also a lot of riders really enjoy it because it is quite different. It's got that real punchy climb, a couple of real sharp corners. Uh, definitely suits the riders who are a bit better skilled. But Pat, he's crafty, he's got the skills, and yeah, he did very well. He, he did a really well-timed attack into the descent just before the last corner, and uh, there was some GoPro footage that I think might be out there on the internet, so try and find that, because it's uh, it shows it but perfectly, really. He sort of um, followed a bit of an attack by Sam Spokes, went past him just before the corner, and actually had a bit of a gap, and uh, again, he, uh, he just absolutely nailed the finish, and it was... Yeah, you had to have the legs as well there. It was tough. So it was a bit of a, you know, a bit of a, a, a tougher race compared to the other one. So, um, yeah, Pat Shaw has done very well there. And um, young fitter from State of Matamarp, he's, um, he's had a really good ride there to come second. He's been uh, doing a fair bit of track, I understand, as well. So he's um, he's got a bit of a sprint. He was coming coming pretty fast at the end there. But he managed to get round Sam Spokes of Drapak, but, yeah, couldn't quite catch Shaw in, uh, look, if you get, if you can see the footage, you can sort of see it. You can hear it. Pat was a happy, happy guy. Yes, that that footage was provided by um, friend of the podcast, Cycling Maven on YouTube. So look up uh, him if you get the chance. And there may be there may be some interesting footage coming out featuring our very own friend Neil Vanderplug soon. I mean, a preview of the of the Nationals course, which sponsored by Breakdown Podcast. So. Keep your eyes out for that. It should be great viewing. You had a lot of fun doing it, Neil. Yeah, it's always fun just you know cruising around with a bit of a uh, group of cyclists with a camera. It's uh, yeah, hopefully it's good. Look out! Well, you never quite know until the editing happens how well it's going to turn out. So we wait with bated breath. Okay, on to the fourth stage, and it was again a Caleb Ewan victory with Brenton Jones in second again. And Alex Edmondson actually held on for third this time after leading Caleb Ewan out. It was quite a tedious stage from a spectator's point of view because Orica just sat on the front of the peloton and kept a fairly high pace the entire time and nobody got much of a gap at all. Josh Taylor went off the front uh, you know, for a few laps and he was joined by Robbie Hucker for a while and they managed to get it out to about eight seconds, you know, which was the largest gap. And then after that, Sam Crone went off the front briefly. And literally, that was about all the action in the race until the sprint. Uh, Neil, you weren't there, but um, you must have heard tell from your teammates. Yeah, it sounded like the Avanti guys were trying to be aggressive and mix it up a bit. Because as you can see, there's a bit of a pattern emerging with Ewan just smashing every bunch sprint. So I think the plan was to obviously be aggressive and try and shake it up. But to credit... The Green Edge guys, they're they're pretty damn strong, so they were able to keep it together. Uh, yeah, but I wasn't there. I actually, um, I must have sensed it was going to be a boring stage, and I actually fell asleep while it was on. 
I woke up and then got the uh, the tweets. But yeah, it was um, look really well controlled by Green Edge by the looks of it, and uh, paid off with another win. Yeah, Brenton Jones was not happy with Pat Shaw actually after the after the stage. I spoke to him and he accused Pat of trying to block him in the sprint essentially, like chopping left and right in front of him to stop him going past. And yeah, not happy, chappy was Jones. Anyway, so it ended up with Ewan taking the overall honours and Brenton Jones in second, with Pat Shaw finishing third overall, which you know reflected the results of the week fairly fairly. I thought. On to the women now. Uh, the first stage, it was surprisingly, in some ways, because Orica Green Edge were leading Sarah Roy out, who is generally recognised as the faster of the sprinters, but it got really split up on that last hairpin, and Gracie Elvin just nailed it to the barrier and went really hard and took the win, with Lizzie Williams, also from Orica Green Edge, uh, finishing second, and Kimberly Wells disappointed in third. It was one of those sprints where everyone just was sprinting for themselves and you couldn't you couldn't really set up that that sprint train which we've come to come to know and expect from you know the more professional teams on in the peloton. The second stage was taken out by Kimberly Wells who was getting a bit of revenge over her good friend Gracie Elvin. Sarah Roy managed to sneak into third there, but um Wells actually attacked on the final climb up on uh, on that stage, which you know caught out the Orica girls who were trying to protect Elvin and move her up and to protect her leader's jersey, and it really just put the cat amongst the pigeons and allowed her to to go from afar. Neil, it was into a bit of a headwind. Well, obviously it's not advisable sprinting into a headwind from a long way out. How what sort of mentality do you need to take on a task like that? Well, she was obviously. Yeah, a little bit bold, and, and like you say, it was pretty windy out there, and it was quite a uh, headwind on that straight. So, look, I guess if you can get the jump, then it's certainly possible to win, and look, credit to Wells, she uh, she pulled it off. And uh, the third stage was a win for Valentina Scandalara, which was, you know, interestingly, given she's Italian, one of the most popular wins of the of the week, as she's very, very well-loved in Australia, as no doubt many of you know, as a as a member of Orica AIS, and she's just a great character. I don't know if you've met her, Neil, but I've, d- I've had the privilege to do a few interviews with her, and she's just such a bubbly personality. She's so selfless, and she took out a great win here when the race got absolutely ripped to shreds on that Port Arlington course, and with the combination of the climb and the wind, it was reduced to a three-rider group going into the finish, and that was just attrition and attacking forced all that action eventually uh, Scandalara took the inside line on the final corner much, very similar to Pat Shaw emerged emerged first through that final corner and then just drilled it to the line with Gracie Elvin like Dan Fitter actually trying to make up the make up the gap and just unable to do so in the end it was yeah it was a really fun race to watch and like the men's it was probably the best um, stage of the whole Mitchelton Bay cycling classic and the fourth stage also, like the men, was a bit of a letdown in the end, with Lizzie Williams and Julie Leth going out early on the attack, and then they just stayed out there on the attack, and nobody worked to bring them back in, with Orica AIS clearly just looking to protect Gracie Elvin's lead, and nobody else particularly interested in chasing them down. So in the end, it was Williams, who was looking incredibly strong out there. She was doing the majority of the work in the break. Then she just attacked Julie Leth and 
she didn't have anything to to give to come back to her. Out of the peloton, Yumi Kajahara from the Geelong Novotel team attacked to come third in the end. She stayed out there a few laps, and it was a good return for the for the Japanese, who are an interesting team. I had a chance to speak to their team director, and Yumi Kajahara is one of their most exciting young youngsters in Japanese cycling. She came fourth in the world junior titles, and she's the dual national champion on the track and the road. So watch out for that name in the future, Yumi Kajahara. Um, Neil, you had a chance to race against uh, Kazushiga Kuboki, who is the Japanese national road race champion. Um, how, how did you find going up against the Japanese riders? Yeah, look, they had uh, a full squad down there, and Kaboki, yeah, Kaboki was definitely um, very active. He's, I think, he's uh, an aggressive style racer, and he was pretty, pretty animated. And it was definitely good to have a bit of Asian flavour in there. Would you wish that more Asian teams came over? Because you've done a lot of racing in Asia. Do you think it would be good for it to come back the the opposite way as well? Yeah, of course. Um, I think it's always good to have a bit of diversity in the field. Hopefully, or well, I'm not really sure, but I, I, I'm hoping there's going to be some Asian teams in perhaps the Sun Tour or the Cadell Evans uh, Great Ocean Road Race. So we may get a bit. But yeah, it would be good to see them coming across. And, and of course, some of the NRS squads are branching out into other areas. I mean, Atake Team Gusto is, is searched to retain and it's merged with the Taiwanese squad. And... There's also Kenyan Riders Down Under, which is looking to bring out a bunch of um, Kenyan stars out to Australia and do some continental racing as well. I mean, it should be interesting for the diversity of the peloton. Yeah, there's a couple of interesting projects uh, projects there. I don't believe Attacky Gusto are going to be riding in Australia that much, although I'm sure they'd take a, a start in the Sun Tour and Cadell's race if they get one. Um, haven't seen the start list there, but uh, yeah, it's it's certainly interesting with the Kenyan project going ahead. Yeah, it's good. Bit of diversity. Yeah, so that was one thing to come out of the Bay Crits, but were there any key performances that you really took a notice of in the Bay Criteriums? Uh, well, I guess it, Caleb showed that he's, uh, he's, he's flying. He's, well, who knows? He might not even be flying, but look, he's, he's a damn good rider and... Uh, he he loves the uh, the bay crits. Like that's sort of from what I saw. That's kind of where he sort of emerged as a bit of a talent in the first place. And he's won ten now, I think. So he's he's second behind Robbie McEwen in stage wins there. So look, that's a uh, that's a bit of a standout. But because he sort of does it every year, it's almost not a standout. We've sort of grown to expect it. Well, yes, it got to the got to the stage where Pat Shaw threw up his arms in the win for the win, and everyone was going, oh. What happened to Caleb? Something must have gone wrong. But uh, no, full credit to Shaw. He deserved that win. And, and Caleb Ewan was you know, bitterly disappointed to miss out on it, I can tell you. So he, he's definitely going very hard. Out of the other riders, uh, I was really impressed by Miles Scottson, who did a very long break on that hard day in the third stage. And he was, he was really strong and he proved a very tough rider to pull back. Yeah, he certainly did. Luke Durbridge rode across to join him as well. And then I think another one that's probably worth a mention there is uh, Chris Hamilton from Avanti Iso Way Sports. He's showing some good form as well. I think that, that circuit definitely showed who's who's got a bit of form. And 
I think all those those three riders have definitely all got a bit, without a doubt. So Chris Hamilton, reigning under twenty three uh, criterium champion, he could could be a shot to hold it this Wednesday. But uh, yep, the three of those guys all in good form. And from the women, it was the names that you expect really. It was the Orica AIS girls. Lizzie Williams looked very strong. Gracie Elvin was sprinting faster than than you would normally expect. And Sarah Roy also looked very good. So there was a lot to like from Morocco AIS and all the other same names as well. Kimberly Wells was was very strong. Peter Mullins looks dangerous for the road race. Maybe maybe lacking maybe lacking a bit of pace for winning the Criterium, but she she looked very strong. And Chloe Hosking as well looked um, good in the one Criterium she did. And yeah. There's plenty of contenders there for either the road race or the Criterion win. Okay, we'll take a little break there and we'll come back and look at the Nationals. I did an interview with Wilson at the side of the Baycrits. Uh, apologies for the audio quality, but it's by the sea, so it was a bit of wind. And, well, you'll hear what he had to say. Is that a viable lead-out for Caleb in the future, future Alex and uh, Mitch working together? Definitely, yeah. He's been working with Mitch all year. Mitch is you know, shaping up to be one of the more reliable lead-out men in the peloton at the moment. So um, going forward, he'll be, he'll be working with Caleb a lot. Um, and Alex, we don't really know what Alex is capable of yet. Um, he's just obviously a new signing, but he looks like he has the characteristics to, to be involved in that sort of finishes as well. Um, you changed the team uh, structure a bit this year, going with a bit more of a climbing focus, um, first to support Yates and Chavez and all them. Um, has that impacted the sprint train at all? No, not at all. Not at all. Um, we've actually boosted it. We've uh, got Luca Mezjek in now to, to lead out Caleb. So um, there's a very much a split focus. I, I mean, every race we do, we have nowadays, we have a GC rider and we've got a sprinter. Um, and we're, I think we've shown in the past we've very rarely ever gone to a race with one one sprinter and that's all the objectives that we have um, early on in the team's induction we, we tried that and it didn't really work but nowadays we've got, we've got a lot of opportunities a lot of possibilities on a variety of different uh, terrains and uh, how do you think that's going to change the team balance moving forward uh, having that split focus because you've been more for the hilly, hilly sprints before that's been focused as a thing. Um, yeah, well, look, unless you've got a GC guy that's planning on taking the lead in big races you know, quite early and you need a full uh, contingent of riders to be able to support him in the mountains, you don't need a huge amount of guys there to support GC riders. You know, One or two guys is, is, is really enough. Um, sprinters, on the other hand, they need a lot of support. They need five, six guys. So um, it's a balance between you know how good our GC guys actually get <laughs> and what, uh, what how the courses look and our, our objectives with with Caleb. And uh, for the rest of the summer series, how does the team looking going to national? Really good. Everyone's in really good shape. We've got our smallest contingent of uh, Aussies doing the national championships this year. Only nine guys. Um, but uh, we don't we don't have many weak links. But they're all really good. It's going very well. Been a lot of whispers about Simon Garin form. He's looking pretty ominous. He, look, he looks good. Same. He looks good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and nationals, you got a plan that you plan that you're going to look, look to put in the fight? Sure. You're not going to tell us. No. Ah <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, he's going to ask. <laughs>
Okay, and we're back. And first up is the National Criteriums, which is done in the middle of Ballarat, and it's sort of late afternoon, twilighty sort of time, which makes for interesting viewing. And it's good to see the good to get the public out to that one. It's often you know three deep around the course, and it it's a good experience for the riders and the spectators alike. Neil, how how's your experience of the National Criteriums been? Yeah, I've done it quite a few times now, and uh, yeah, I love it. It's great atmosphere down there on, on Sturt Street. It's a hot dog course and a bit of an uphill climb and then a descent. So it makes some pretty fast and exciting racing. There's, you know, usually a couple of spills. Not that you sort of want that to happen, but look, there's plenty on offer to see. So look, if you're uh, thinking about coming down, I'd definitely recommend it. The atmosphere is it's great. It's electric. From the elite men's, the big news is that there'll be a full squad going in to support Caleb Ewan. And will it be enough is the question, I suppose, because there's going to be lots of teams who won't want it to go to a sprint. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it's ridden by uh, the Green Edge team and, and the rest of the field. Look, Caleb, he's, he did it last year with a very, well... I can't remember if he had a teammate at all or not, but uh, yeah. fell just short. I think he might have had Mitch Docker with him. That was that might have been it, though. Just Mitch. So it'll make a bit of a difference having a full squad there, uh, and that could be uh, you know you wouldn't yeah you wouldn't have to give him too much more for him to win. He got second last year. Steele von Hoff just nailed it in the end and had a really good finish. But look, I'd have to say Caleb is he's clearly going in as the as the favourite there, particularly with uh, strong backing from from his uh, Green Edge team. There's a few other sprinters which might throw a spanner in the works. Uh, Brenton Jones was was very strong for second overall and took three second places along the way in the Bay Criteriums. And Scott Sunderland, who could well be up for the challenge of taking on the taking on the more recognised sprinters. He's been dominating the NRS and. His form's a bit of an unknown at the moment. We haven't seen him recently. So he did win the Shimano Super Crit. But apart from that, I don't think I've heard of how his his form's going. Yeah, look, he was definitely moving well at the Shimano Super Crit. But Crit course in Ballarat is very different. You've got that sort of pretty hard uphill drag. And then you've got a bit of a descent. You know, it changes it a fair bit. Sunderland's done quite well here before. So, look, he's definitely a chance. He's been really quick, as you say. Brenton Jones, yep. He's also a bit of a chance. Look, I think someone you probably can't go past is also Anthony Giacoppo and Steele von Hoff. So they're both competing and they're both former winners of the event. And I think they've both finished on the podium multiple times. So I think Steele and AJ, um, you can't sort of rule those guys out as well. They're definitely, in my mind, um, yeah, they're they're pretty strong contenders for uh, for the uh, for the title there. Isn't Giacoppo spelt with a G? It is spelt with a G, but uh, for some reason he's known as AJ. So, yep, I just go with it. Okay, well, it's good to bear it in mind at least. I'll, I won't get embarrassed when I call him AG or something. Um, in the women's, uh, Kimberly Wells is the defending champ. She's won, yeah, she's won two times in the past three years, and she'll be riding with High Five. Though High Five don't have the, you know, the absolute strongest squad for criteriums. They're more more inclined towards the hills but they should they should be able to support wells into the final in into the final sprint and there will come down to who's the fastest out of wells and the orca um, girls who do you think they'll be riding for the orca AIS riders yeah look that's going to be uh 
interesting to see with uh, Elvin doing quite well. And look, they may even race it fairly aggressively to uh, perhaps eliminate the chance of Wells getting up again. So they may even roll some of their other girls like Lizzie Williams. She's obviously traveling pretty well. Yeah, well, they've certainly got plenty of talent to share around, and any one of them could easily win it. Uh, apart from that, we've got the Will High Five duo of Chloe Hosking and Peter Mullins, and Lauren Kitchen from High Tech Products, I believe is the team name there, and she's she's obviously a really good sprinter as well. Uh, the under-23 men, we've got three rides. We'll just go through them quickly. I think Dan Fitter is a good chance, though, again, he might yeah. be doing the TT. I mean, he's he's a really strong... He's a really strong rider. He's obviously the team. He's part of the team pursuit squad. Yep, pretty he, strong, pretty fast. Yep. He may go to Rio. I mean, he's on the cusp of that squad. Uh, I'd, I think it's too early to tell, obviously, but he's a really strong rider. Do you think he's going to make it for Rio? Oh, geez, you're asking yeah. the wrong guy here, Jamie. I'm. Uh, I have not done too much track in my time, but look, he's yeah, he's, he's definitely got some talent. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if he did go. Yeah, so fit as a state of matter map rider, and they've also got Jesse Kerrison lining up on the start line, making his return to Australia, and he's pretty fast at his best. I don't think we've seen too much of his form yet. He did do one of the Bay Criteriums, but yeah, that'll be interesting to see if they choose to ride for him. Cyrus Monk is a very talented rider, and he's got a good kick on him. He came second in Grafton Inverwell, where he won the he won the sprint from the remaining riders who came in. Chris Hamilton, of course, defending champion. He took it from a break last year. Yeah, it's probably worth yeah. noting, actually, the uh, the course in Ballarat, it seems to strike a pretty good balance between a bunch sprint, but also, you know, the chance of a breakaway. I know, just thinking back quickly, I can think of pretty much 50-50 uh, riders who have won from a break and sprints. So it's a pretty exciting race in that way. You can just have uh, very strong riders like Cam Mai. He just rode away one year and just won solo. Uh, but then it can also come back to a sprint. So, yeah, you've got that blend of uh, fast riders um, and also riders who are just just very strong like Hamilton. Last year, won it in a two-man break. Could do it again or it might come back down to a sprint. We never know. Yeah, and if it does go to a breakaway, I'll chuck in my Smokey of Michael Rice. For the, for the win from Oliver's Foods. I'm a big fan of them. And the under-23 women gets run together with the with the women's crit, but it does get a separate award and you get your own jersey, so it's worth commenting on. Um, it's hard to know how this one's going to go, uh, but Shannon Malseed is a really strong rider and she's got a decent kick on her. She will be pretty hard to beat, but then you've got Ainsley Becker or Jess Mundy, maybe Josie Talbot or Janelle Crooks who are all major names in the under-23 scene. Okay, moving on to the TT, which is a really tough course. Uh, it's hard to build a rhythm on this one. It's up and down all day, and that's not what TT riders like. They like to just sit in the one pace for as long as possible, don't they, Neil? Yeah, they uh, look, it depends on which TTs you talk to, I suppose. I suppose there's some some uh, probably smaller TTers who would think that this course is absolutely, you know, perfect. I know some of the, probably the larger TT riders would be hoping for something a bit more flat. It's a, it's definitely a hard course. I haven't seen it myself, but everyone who goes out and recons it, they, yeah, they definitely say, geez, it's really hilly. So, yeah, a tough course. Yeah, and uh, from the men, we've got defending champion Richie Port, who will be going 
you know, imagine you'd imagine it would be a two v two battle um, with Rowan Dennis, but oh, sorry, a one v one battle with Rowan Dennis. You don't do team riding in the in the individual TT, but um, you know, Luke Durbridge might get in there. Alex Edmondson, Damian Housen, all Orica Greenedge, of course, and uh, I got a few Smokies from the NRS. I thought Ben Dybel, he he might shake things up, and Sean Lake, who's come on in leaps and bounds, and. Uh, obviously, Ben Dibble used to be a teammate of yours and Sean Lake currently is. Uh, do you think they could upset the apple cart? Look, I think to win is probably a bridge too far. But, look, it'd look pretty silly if they did win. Look, it's certainly possible. But, look, they'd have to really pull out the um, probably the well, definitely their rides of uh, rides of their lives. But, look, I think for podium... I think they're, they're genuine chances there for sure. Sean Lake's been uh, sort of on the up. Uh, this past six months in particular. So it'll be interesting to see how he goes. Uh, I think one guy we probably can't mention, uh, no, we definitely should mention, is uh, Bobridge. Um, There's been word from further over in the West that he's flying. And I don't believe Durbridge is even doing it. And I think they they ride sort of, you know, near one another. And I've heard a few people sort of, you know, rumours going around that Durbridge is not even going to bother because... You know, Bobridge is just absolutely smashing it at the moment. So, yeah, I'm keen to see how Bobridge goes. He's, he's again, like a bit of a smaller rider, pretty punchy. So, I think the course does suit him. He obviously was good last year. He was on the podium. So, look, it's going to be good. Very tight field. Yeah, I will say that we are hamstrung at the moment by the lack of start lists. Um Come on, CA, we need a need a decent start list so we can do a preview. Anyway, we'll move on to the women's now and uh we've got we've got multiple time winner Shara Gillow coming back again. And you know, she should she has every right to go in as the favourite, but she is gonna be challenged very heavily by Katrin Garfoot, who is absolutely superb at the world championships. Also, Brady O'Donnell, she's going up off for the hour record and you know, she should be in great form. She did a great, great um, display at the Shimano Supercrit from memory, and she was off the front there for quite a while. Also, our very own Kate Perry uh, will be cheering her on in, in uh, the side of the course, I know. And, you know, she should be all the better for her experience last year where it was her debut at the Nationals, and she'll be fitter and more knowledgeable on how to attack it this time. Neil, how, how do you see it? Yeah, look, I'd say Shara Gillo would be uh, my pick for that one. She's uh, she looks like she's a fairly sort of pretty sort of small, like you know, lean sort of TTer. So that obviously helps on the uh, the type of course that they've got, and she's uh, probably the most I'd say probably the most sort of experienced as well. So I reckon Shara Gillo would be my pick if she's uh, if she's in form and and like you say, Garfoot will be strong and. Uh, yeah, in my mind, it's probably going to come down to uh, one of those two. Moving on to the under-23 women, uh, it's it's often harder to pick at the under-23s because you're not entirely sure of their ages and who's eligible. But again, Janelle Crooks is going to be very hard to beat in that and she'll likely face competition from the same names we've been mentioning. So Ainsley Backer, who is being absolutely superb in the NRS, uh, Jess Mundy, who again is a very strong rider, and probably maybe Shannon Malseed, but she she tends to be a bit more of a dynamic rider rather than a TTer. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes. The under twenty three men this time, can I say Scotsons? 
I reckon the Scotsons, I reckon they'd be pretty likely to be starting the TT. They're sort of TT specialists. So, yep, absolutely. And going up against your teammate for the moment, uh, Oscar Stevenson, who came second by, I think it was three seconds last year, and they're going to resume their you know, titanic struggle. I think it's really a battle in two between those those guys, but maybe Daniel Fitter. I mean he's he's a very strong rider as he's shown and, you know, he's got the he's got the technique to T T. It's just a matter of whether he, whether he can do it over, you know, the the length of the I think it's twenty three point nine for the for the under twenty three men. Yeah, not hundred percent sure of the length. However, yes. Scotson is going to be good. His brother, Callum Scotson, will be good too. It'll be interesting to see how they go against each other head-to-head. Also, I might throw in there another one of our riders, uh, Ben O'Connor from uh, WA. He's, uh, I've just been rooming with him recently, and he's definitely keen for the TT. So he, he could be up in the mix too. But uh, look, yeah, it, I reckon it, it'll be good. Yeah, of course, Ben O'Connor was very strong at the Tour of Bright where he... He uh, went went very well over quite a similar course. It was a bit shorter, but it was it was lumpy and it was one of those courses where you have to you know keep on getting off, getting out of the saddle, and driving the pace, which you know will stand him in good stead here. Okay, uh, on to the road race now, and let's tackle the main event, the Australian National Road Race Championships. I don't think anyone has been talking to me about somebody else winning apart from Simon Gerrans in the main event. Uh, unfortunately unfortunately for you, uh, Neil, he seems to be in, well, the whispers seem to suggest that he's in red-hot form at the moment. Yeah, well, that's it. That You've said it. There's, uh, there's a lot of rumours going around that he's going pretty good. And when a rider of that calibre, who's pretty well suited to the course, is going really well, he's going to be hard to beat. So, look, he's, he's got to go in as, as probably the favourite. Lots of other, lots of other very strong riders out there to contend with. It's, um, it's a hard one to pick. Rowan Dennis, he's going to be good. Heinrich Hauser, I don't believe he's coming back to defend. But there's also, um, look, guys like Nathan Haas. He's, uh, he's pretty well suited to that course. I'm not sure what sort of form he's in, but you know he could be a dark horse. And then uh, Richie Port. Look, if it's a really sort of, it's a really hard year. Look, he might be able to just ride away on the climb and win solo. He's definitely capable of doing something like that. So. Uh, it's hard to pick from this early in the season. You don't really know who's in what sort of form. So people are sort of saying that Gerrans is going really good, so he's he's got to be the favourite. And, of course, Orica, um, how they approach the race is obviously the main factor in determining how the race goes. Do you see the tactics playing out similarly as they do, as they tend to do? They tend to get a rider in the break if they can and then force other teams to chase it down or if they decide that their rider isn't the best chance of winning, they'll they'll close it down for Guerin or Michael Matthews or whoever of their stable is the strongest at the moment. Yeah, I guess most teams are really trying that sort of a thing, though. They, you try and get a guy in the break and you try and get the guy in the breakaway who can win. And then uh, if you don't have anyone there and or your guy in the break absolutely falls to pieces, then you've got to chase it down. So I expect a similarly sort of raced event to usual having said that last year the break that a break never really fully got going until um until the one i got in sort of fairly late in the piece so look there could be an early break there might not be an early break it might just be ridden really hard um yeah it'll be interesting to see how the tactics play out it it's going to be hard though that's one thing that's 
always delivered at Bunningong. It will be hard and it'll be a race of attrition. Yeah, it'll be great to watch. You don't have to reveal your tactics here, Neil, or the teams, but I imagine it's important to be flexible when, when you go about attacking the race. You need to sort of just see how the race pans out. You can go in with a bit of a plan, but yeah, like most other teams, we've got a number of riders here, and in the in different scenarios, they can probably all win. Outside chances, but uh, look, we've got a few few options. So yeah, we'll we'll see how the race pans out and try and uh, yeah try and uh, try and do something. Well, I look forward to it. It should be great viewing if. Uh and hopefully we can get Neil on the podium again. So send him your best wishes and uh, we'll see how he goes. Thanks, Joe. <laughs> so on to the women. And it's again in Orica AIS's hands. And they have a number of strong riders again. It's looking like Gracie Elvin, Lizzie Williams, Sarah Roy, um, Amanda Spratt. Any of them could could on their day win it. A few past winners it. in there few past winners in there so they'll be good but of course they missed out last time they didn't they didn't get a rider on the podium which was it must have been a shattering day for them really because you expect them to be the dominant team and they didn't control the final move at all and it ended up with uh, the two riders going free and they just lasted out to the finish with peter mullins uh getting getting the win in the end and she could well do so again she's in pretty good form from what we saw in the bay crits and she could well repeat what she did last year as in the men's it's uh it's a pretty tough race to pick and there's certainly a number of past winners there who are all sort of coming back i wouldn't be uh i wouldn't be putting any money anywhere to be honest it's uh i see it as a pretty open race yeah, oh, I'll, I'll I'll throw a pick out there. I think Lauren Kitchen will win. So there we go. She was really strong at the Worlds, and I think the course will suit her nicely, and she's got a very good kick if it comes down to a sprint. So I'll throw a prediction out there, and it will fall straight in my face, I'd imagine. Okay, and we'll move on now to the under-23 men's, where it's a different sort of race, the under-23 men's. There aren't the big teams. There aren't the the level of control, so it, it really comes down a bit more to who's got the legs. I mean, obviously any race comes down to who's got the legs, but it's especially down to the attrition rather than the tactics as much. It's been a little bit more that way since the national team sort of stopped racing as a team in that event, which is probably good for the racing, really. It used to be very dominated by uh, SA.com, it was called, back when I was racing. Open race, uh, there's, again, there's... Yeah, you're going to have to be very strong to win, but yeah, you can also win solo. Uh, ben Dybel did that in the under-23 race a few years ago. So look, in my mind, again, pretty open race, hard to predict. Uh, you got guys like Lucas Hamilton who will certainly be um, hoping to do pretty well. He's had some pretty impressive climbs this year. Scotsons, they're both going to be very good. Miles obviously won it last year. He's got a bit of uh, he's got a bit of speed at the finish. He's super strong, as you know from the time trial and winning the race in the past. So, look, you got the Scotsons, Lucas Hamilton, Dylan, Dylan Sunderland, who we talked to today. He was a bit sick uh, in recent weeks, so it will be up to how his legs have recovered from that and if he's been able to maintain his form. But he he will be a real strong chance at the win. Uh, who else? Dan Fitter again, we've, we've mentioned him a number of times and he's a really strong rider. Chris Hamilton from our team, uh, Oscar Stevenson, Ben O'Connor, yep, all potentials there from our team. Yeah, I think Ben O'Connor's going to have a good one from the sound of things. 
And we should probably throw in Jay Hindley as well from WA. He's looking like he's got a good future ahead of him. And uh, the under-23 women is run at the same time as the women. But they again, they get their own jersey this year, which should be should be gratifying. And I'm going to come out and say that Ainsley Backer is going to win this one, definitely. Uh, we saw her today on the, on the course. And whilst it was the first time she saw it, she is just such a strong rider. And I can't... I can't really see anyone beating her. Uh, Neil, I mean, there are other riders like Shannon Malseed, uh, who won last year, uh, Jess Mundy, and Janelle Crooks. But on the climbs, um, do you see anyone approaching Backer? Look, it's difficult. I probably will just have to go with you on this one, Jamie. I think you're, uh, you've probably kept a bit of a closer eye on the under-23 girls. It's hard to sort of, uh, like you say, they often race with the elite so it's hard to get a bit of a gauge but uh look Ainsley Backer does seem like she's um yeah she's really sort of hitting the ground running from her switch from triathlon and uh she's probably on a bit of an upward trajectory and look yeah she sounds like the type of rider who will probably go well the tactics probably aren't because they're racing with the females uh the open females I think she can probably get away with, um, you know, not having as much experience and her strength could probably just uh, pay through. So I'll just go with you on that one too, Jamie. Okay, well, we've got a few predictions there. We'll see how how we go with them and uh, keep some sort of scoreboard. I think that will just about wrap it up from the Breakdown Podcast. You can find us at Breakdown Podcast on Facebook or at Breakdown Pod on Twitter. If you want us to ask us a question, you can just use the hashtag AskBreakdown on Twitter. And if you want to follow any of our other shows, you can do so by going to iTunes and downloading. And if you do, please rate and subscribe because it helps other people find us. So you'll be doing us a big favour. Feel free to join us next time. And it's uh, bye from me. Thank you, Jamie. Until next time, guys. See you later. And bye from Kate Perry as well, who was unfortunately not able to join us. But she will no doubt send her regards. So we'll send them on her behalf. Okay, farewell. Farewell.